If you play a trilogy of games against Arsenal and then ultimately lose them and don't go to the final, yeah. I think that'll take it out of your legs. To the bookend of Why He Won Spurs season review series, which myself, Ian Wallace, 62 year old Peter Wright, and his son of 22 years, Simeon Wright, began with another of the podcast's original participants, Ricky Swarbrick, on Sunday, the 22nd of March, one day before UK wide lockdown was officially declared. It was, of course, already clear that then it would be a while before we saw our beloved team in action again. So we committed to review as many seasons as possible until football was back. To be fair, the initial promise was to sustain the project under the title Why He Won Daily, do a season a day, and possibly find ourselves looking over the 1919-1920 campaign if COVID-19 kept Spurs off the pitch for 100 days. But it was quickly apparent that it was just completely unachievable for amateur broadcasters like us, wasn't it, Peter? Well, I thought it would have been a bit of a tall order, really. It um, would have taken a superhuman achievement, really. Yeah, I, uh, I know. I, I knew nothing. Us, us mere mortals, I mean, to have t- taken us down memory lane, you'd, you'd have needed like a memory like a computer hard exactly. drive to, oh. to have recalled Len Dunkerman in the Pusham Run side and um, <laughs> maybe a, a comment on how good uh, Sir Alf Ramos is. Yeah. Slide tackles were. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But still, you know, we're very happy to have reached 1986, 1987, hopefully entertaining you along the way. And the final guest of the journey is someone who's entertained sports fans Monday to Friday for 20 years on Hawksby and Jacobs, arguably Talk Sports' flagship show since the station launched in 2000. Welcome along, Paul Hawksby. Paul, how are you keeping? And what, it's such a strange time. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks, fellas. Yeah, it has been a really, a really, really odd time to be without sort of football. Like you're used to having a, a close season, but this was different. The abrupt ending and wondering whether, like as you were saying, whether it was going to come back or when it was going to come back. And so here we are, you know, a couple of days away from it uh, returning. It's been a weird time. I've been broadcasting from home, as has uh, Andy now for about 11, 12 weeks. So. Uh, Strange times, but exciting to think that we're going to be back soon and, and watching games. Yeah, that, that hopefully it'll be exciting for us Spurs fans. But it's a really pleasure to, uh, to have you with us, Paul. It's a real honour. Um, and what we like to do with all of our guests is to start with a few standard questions around what following Spurs has meant to you. And having all listened to the editions of Theo mm. Delaney's excellent Life Goals podcast with you last year, your football life is very similar to Peter's. Peter's, I think you'd like to tell us more. Oh yeah, I guess definitely some parallels there, I would say. Um, but when was your first season going to the lane, Paul? My first game, Peter, was, um, would have been 67, the year after they won the FA Cup. We beat Forest 2-1, and uh, that was my first match. I didn't really start going regularly until about 1970, the sort of Chivers, Mullery, Gilzine, Pat Jennings era. That was, that was the kind of regular time for me, but... Half my family were Arsenal and half were Spurs. And uh, I was supposed to go to Arsenal, couldn't go because uh, I was ill. And the following week I was kind of claimed by the, the Spurs contingent. Uh, and that was it. They uh, they had me. So uh, I could have gone either way. It was sort of a bit 50-50 really. Yeah, so the parallels will be the 70-71 season would be like you will have had the same experiences queuing up at the boys' gate, 
getting yeah. getting as close to the pitch as possible. The old shelf, the team coming out to the McNamara's band and all. Mullery leading the team up as the team mm. of Chivers, Perriman and Gilzean. I used to be in the yeah. kids' enclosure then. Where I think you paid an extra, well, it was probably sixpence originally and then 5p. Yeah. Because you went in that kids' enclosure, which is now the lower west stand. And that's where the team used to come out. Yeah. And I used to try and get as close as I could to that tunnel that was nearer the park lane to see the team come out in the kids' enclosure. Yeah. And I guess it all came to life, you know, the smell of the pipes and the, the banter. And, yeah, it's just, it's just, for a young kid, it's just like... Uh, you, you, yeah. you get hooked on it. You know, yeah. so. Smell of the peanuts. The smell of the peanuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, whole, still, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Paul, yeah. Who, who would you sort of say was your favourite player of your initial era? Uh, that that initial. So I was. A, I used to play centre half of sort of a club and, uh, and school team and stuff. So I loved Mike England. I thought he was he was a bit of a hero of mine. He was a very silky footballer as well as being a great centre half. And obviously Chivers because he was scoring a lot of great goals and patting goal. Uh, and Stevie Perriman because he was sort of local and you know a, a great young player, so they were the kind of standouts that sort of era. And who, who you move, moving on to say to the next sort of period, you know, of your Spurs supporting life after your initial period? Who would you sort of say was, you know, who's your favourite sort of players of the next few eras, say the eighties and nineties? Glenn was a kind of absolute hero. He's probably one my my favourite. Tottenham player when it comes to it really just purely watching him play he's just just an amazing footballer Gazza was fantastic mm. to watch as well I loved when Klinsman that very short spell with us that was an exciting time mm. and obviously now it would be players like Harry Kane it's just been a delight to watch him yeah. come through uh, and, and become the, the star that he is yeah he's some wonderful players and yeah. Um, mm. we, we talked last time on the podcast about Waddle actually and I asked a question of oh, yeah. where, where, where does Waddle sort of come in the hierarchy of uh, Spurs legends in the last 30 years and it, he came quite low down in, in our last podcast which yeah. was uh, strange I don't, I don't know where, where would he sort of stand for you Paul no he'd be right up there certainly this period we're going to talk about the, the relationship he had with Glenn was was fantastic uh, we never got an opportunity to find out how he would have worked with Gary Lineker and the amount of Mm. ammunition he could have supplied for him but um but no chris model i mean there was a little period when he was i mean absolutely unplayable around this sort of era yeah maybe just after glenn went when he had to sort of uh, sort of take on the mantle and, and step up maybe because glenn wasn't there that yeah. season after this i remember him playing in some amazing matches just just sensational yeah he won he won he was a bit like gareth bow actually he won games on his own for us a lot actually mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Down the years, Spurs have just been associated with that kind of maverick, sort of genius talent. Yeah. You know, uh, and uh, like, yeah, like you said, like the, the big shame was not seeing Lineker yeah. and uh, Hoddle and Waddle in the same team. It was a shame. Yeah, yeah. It was a shame. Anyway, let's, let's move on to uh, our final season in this project. Um, so before we start, Paul, I just sort of wanted to understand what you were doing professionally in this season 1986-87 were you sort of in the world of radio or media then no I, well I, I was i was writing i was um I'd, I'd i'd i did a little bit of writing for sort of magazines but i started to write for tv and radio okay and uh, this period i had a i think they, they it still exists actually they they used to uh, give you a kind of years sort of scholarship you'd, you'd kind of get a year's money from the BBC and you would just work on different projects for them 
and I was working on a sitcom that I'd written with another guy from radio. I was doing some TV work as well, sketch shows and stuff. And I was, funny enough, one of the stories that will tie into one of the matches that we'll talk about. I was doing a series with, Tim won't know who this is, but I was working on a, a series with Frankie Howard. Oh, I met, I met so, him. I, know I, I, yeah. I was writing for him at, yeah. at, during this period. So that was kind of what I was more or less doing full time, thanks to the, the BBC's uh, sort of bursary that they gave out to, to three writers every year. Brilliant. Okay. That's, that's full on comedy, mate, uh, Frankie Howard. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a fun, it was, a, it was an experience. But uh, as I said, it, one of the nights I was writing, with, uh, working on the show with Frankie, ties into one of the matches we'll come on to, so I'll tell you more later. Brilliant, brilliant, wonderful. Okay, as, as ever, Sim, you're a stats man, finally, for the last time, being so young. Can you sort of uh, take us through some uh, key stats before the season started? I can, Ian, yeah. I can't believe you're saying that. It's been, it's been a bit of a ride, isn't it? Yeah. It's been such an education. Um, yeah. I'm really, really grateful to Peter and, and you, Ian, and all of our other guests as well for yeah. all, your, all your great memories. It's a, I hope that my memory is just as good in um, 20 years time or so yeah. but yeah very very impressive stuff boys so yeah this is um, this is a season that we've been building up to for a long time 1986-87 clearly from the passion that everyone talks about just the, I mean the players that we've come across who have who we've talked about down the down the seasons and this 1986-87 season just clearly stood out um, and it's it's one that we've been working towards for a long time so we finished third in the first division it was David Pluke's first first season in charge. I think he only had one one season, didn't he? Um, full season because he went the next season yeah. after a bit of controversy. Uh, but he spent eight years at Luton. We finished third in the in the year, which is it's a high watermark if you think about Spurs' league positions over mm. kind of twenty years, thirty years afterwards. Yeah. A point above Arsenal in the end as well. A better goal difference than them. Um, and I just kind of I just kind of wonder. Um, Paul, how well do you remember the season? And do you think that it's, this was a standout season in your time supporting the club? In terms of, of, of entertainment, it was, a, it was a great team to watch. It was a fantastic team to watch. Uh, and the football was great. And we scored lots of goals. And uh, yeah, I mean, purely from an entertainment point of view, it was. But slightly, you know, tinged with the frustration of the fact that it was another... Season we emptied him. Another season we finished empty-handed. That was the great frustration because this team at this time should have won at least one of those trophies and, and just couldn't be consistent enough. I think they got they got stretched really on yeah. three fronts and it, it it cost us. I mean, squads were never quite as big. It was a big-ish squad for Tottenham, mm. but they were never quite as big as they are now. And I just think we just. We had these little troughs during this season where we lost games. We'd have a great run, then we'd have a poor run. We just couldn't find any consistency in the league. So yeah. that was—I'd say—it's a frustrating season, but but very entertaining football. But the previous the previous se- season we finished tenth under Peter Shreve, and then he got sacked, and then in came Pleat. And I, uh, Peter, I just sort of wanted to know—you know—was was Shreve unfairly uh, treated? Because the year before. He finished third with Spurs, and we had a wonderful team in 84-85. Do you think yeah. Shrevers should have been given a bit more time? I can't actually remember the circumstances under which he, mm. he was sacked, but it would seem a bit harsh having sort of progressed the team. Yeah. But uh, possibly a lot of the groundwork had been laid for David Pleat to come in, but what Pleat did was actually he abandoned the 4-4-2 yeah. formation and built this 
451 team, which is just set up a sumptuous supply line for, for, for Clive Allen, principally from Hoddle and Waddle. And it was just, as, as Paul says, just like a joy, joy to, to watch. Clive Allen just needed to make the right runs and yeah. he knew that the ball, that Hoddle would find him. His cousin, Paul Allen, was part of that midfield. It's a very unsung sort of hero yeah. because he worked tirelessly and selflessly for the rest of the, the team. So it was just a great unit, but that that five behind Clive Allen just set up for him to score those 49 goals. Yeah, it was. I mean, Pleat, Pleat came in, uh, Paul, when he was very highly rated. And I, I don't know if you remember at the time, sort of George Graham had come in at Arsenal, I think the season before, and he was sort of cultivating a team there. Possibly did we sort of copy... Did we copy Arsenal bringing in like a, a manager like Pleat? Yeah, maybe. I mean, he did have a good reputation, didn't he? I mean, his team had a, he had he had some good players at Luton. People like players like Paul Walsh and stuff. He brought on young players. He seemed tactically very astute. I seem to remember when he came in. I thought it felt like a good fit. Looking at the sort of football Luton played, yeah, it felt it felt like a good fit. So. Yeah, I, I always felt that he was he was going to do okay. I certainly wasn't disappointed that he joined, if I if I remember rightly. Um, and in, Sim, if you can tell us who what players we brought in um, have been pre-season, please. Yeah, so it was uh, there was one particular signing who um, he comes up in the season after because he only stayed for a year, and our defence just seemed to just completely plummet the year after, and that was Richard Goff, who came in from Dundee United for seven hundred and fifty thousand. And just Spurs fans, just whether it whether it be on podcasts, on on this podcast, on on Twitter, they just seem to wax lyrical about this guy, absolute colossus by all by all accounts, and just what a shame! What a shame it seems that he only, we only got his services for a year because he just seemed like a fantastic player. Yes, yep. that, that partnership with uh, Mavert was just too short lived, really. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they, they had a really great partnership, didn't they? Um, who else came in, Sim? Yeah, so Belgian forward Nico Klassen came in, came in for six hundred thousand, and also the man that's credited with the Maradona hand of God assist, Steve Hodge. I think, yeah, uh, he came from Aston Villa. Was he? Was he an attacking midfield player? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah, because we, because I think, what like what kind of a system did we play in this season? Uh, we sort of started, yeah. I think, Paul, if I remember, Peter. Four five we, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't, we didn't start with four five yeah. one. We started, we started with four four two, and then we sort of it sort of evolved. Paul, is that your memory of that? That's my memory. Yeah, I think so. I think he seemed to. I mean, I think it was about getting the personnel we wanted to potentially be able to play that system and have a little bit of depth to rest players. I mean, you know, we play Aussie, wouldn't he? Play Steve Hodge. Yeah. Play Paul Allen. I mean, the, you know, Glenn and Chris Waddle were the kind of creative constants. And it, I remember the system sort of freed Glenn up, that thing that, yeah. that England had never done. You know, I, you know, you do feel that if David Pleat's nocturnal habits hadn't uh, cost him, really, <laughs> I, think he could have, I think he would have gone on to manage England. Yeah. And I think, he would, I think he would have built the team around Glenn. We've, um, uh, we, we've said, so his Paul, life could have been very different. Yeah, we've said before, Paul, that we feel that um, there's an article we read about David Pleat being the Pete Best of management. <laughs> yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think he, was, he was a good manager. He produced entertaining teams. He was a sort of a good coach, a good ideas, but, you know, a little bit of a weakness that ultimately cost him that, that big job, really. And I think, you know, he would have, he would have gone on and 
definitely manage the national team and, yeah. and he continued to progress like he did at Spurs. Totally agree. Do you, do, do you guys ever think like Peter and Paul, do you ever think that, that possibly the 4-5-1 was like a precursor to say a 4-4-1-1? Yeah, because that's so, the yeah. way Hoddle played. He played sort of as like a loose like 10, didn't he? Just behind uh, Allen. Yeah. yeah. Po- possibly the 4-5, you know. It's ahead of its time, I thought. Yeah. Like you said, like Paul says, like, it gave um, Glenn that free role, you mm. know, and he's just, you give him that time and that space and he's going to pick a pass, you know, yeah. and that, that was, it was wonderful to watch, you know. And it, and, one it, season. and it was said, um, I don't know if you guys know this, I read an article recently about the Pleat sort of seen uh, Belgium play this formation in the World Cup in 86 in the summer. And he didn't oh, introduce, really? yeah, he didn't introduce it straight away. He introduced mm-hmm. it, I think the first game might have been Oxford away, which we'll come on to later. That yeah. I think it sort of fell in his lap a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, so we got those, we got those players in um, and pre-season we did okay. Pre-season we beat uh, Milan and we drew with Rangers in Paul Miller's testimonial and we beat PSV. And I just sort of want to ask you, Paul, sort of going into that, we had a new manager, we had a couple of, we had Goff and Thomas signed in the summer. How, how did you sort of feel, Paul, going into that season? Had you had high hopes considering we finished 10th the year before? I, I looked around the team. I could think, I think we were sort of better than 10th, you know, if you looked at the personnel. Mm. And Richard Goff, you very quickly realised that he was a really good player. I mean, I mean, I think most Tottenham fans feel until Ledley was in his pomp, he was probably... The first time he'd had a, a centre-half as good as Richard Goff. I mean, it's incredible to think he only really played a season. Yet he's sort of lionised, really, at the club. He's really fondly remembered. It was a shame we just didn't get more more out of him. And, and you know, he stayed for a longer period of time, a bit like Gary Mabbott did, because he was some player. So that was good business. Um, I, I, I didn't, we didn't know a great deal about Mitchell Thomas. I mean, Mitchell was like great at his career at Spurs. He could have good games and have bad games, but no, I was, I was all the time. You've got Waddle and Hoddle, you know. You've got to be, you've got to be feeling it's, uh, it's going to go well. And so, so that change of system seemed to just everything seemed to sort of click into place. It, it seemed to suit the personnel. Yeah, it, it, it took off. It worked quite quickly. And Peter, how did you feel going into the season? To feel quite confident. Oh, we're really, really optimistic, just yeah. based on who was there and what yeah. the potential. We kind of had a little bit of a glamour thing about us as yeah, well. We, I thought we, had the, we had the old diamond lights on yeah, top yeah. of the pops. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that, Paul? Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was the yeah, that was towards the end of that season, wasn't it? They, yeah. they yeah. made that song. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you always go into a season optimistic, <laughs> don't you, when you strengthen your team. Yeah. And I think there's just too many seasons, whether it be the one after this, directly after this, yeah. or just modern, modern times for Spurs where... You go into a season, you might bring in a better player, but you sell a key player, and it's just always that step forward, step back. But this seems like a, a definite yeah. sort of step forward kind of season. And also, it's, sorry to say, it's a wonderful uh, piece. Like there's a little bit of a radio interview I heard of Chris Waddle where he um, breaks down his technique of beating the player, and it's the way he sells uh, a fullback, a sort of confidence trick. He says, "You think I'm going that way?" The last minute, he flipped yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah, like you say, he was unplayable. Yeah, he was unplayable this yeah. season. Um, and uh, we we spent three million um, on transfers that season. And just to give you some context, guys, Everton spent three million, um, Chelsea one and a half million, Liverpool one and a half million, Villa one point two million, West Ham eight hundred thousand. All the rest of the other teams hardly spent anything. So we were one of the big spenders that summer. Uh, that season, rather, because there was no transfer yeah. window, of course. So, you know, I, I went into it feeling very, very, very confident. And, Sim, could you sort of take us into our sort of first tranche of games in the league? Yeah, so it wasn't the most convincing of starts, was it? Um, 
I think you you did allude to the fact that maybe he was adjusting the system. Mm. Uh, Paul mentioned that he that he picked it up from the World Cup. Maybe it was mm. it's something he tried to mould in the preseason. I think you've done a bit of research in the mm. preseason, haven't you? Ian? Yeah. But um, yeah, we finished we finished tenth the previous season. But I mean, we started in terms of the first game it was an electric start, three 0 at Villa, mm. and Clive Allen the forty nine goals. He's yeah. he's kind of started as he meant to go on, isn't he? With with a goal after four minutes and getting a hat trick in that game. Um, and then the next two games, um, home games against Newcastle and Man City, drew at Newcastle and beat Man City 1-0 five days after that. And the only goal in that game was from Graham Roberts, who played 21 times this season and then he moved on to Rangers. I just yeah. wonder, um, was was losing him sort of... We had the, we had the partnership of Mabbott and... Goff and perhaps maybe Roberts was playing more in midfield at this point. But was that was that the was that the first player who left that kind of made the team go backwards? I, d- I don't think so. I, I I think he was sort of coming to his end um, at that time at Spurs. For me, um, Paul, Peter, what do you, Paul? What do you think first? Was Robbo's time sort of done there? He'd been there a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, as you say, he scored goals at the start of that season. But he obviously, I think, from Robbo's point of view, he he kind of felt that he wasn't get, going to get as many games as he would have liked. He saw maybe others coming in, and I'm, I'm, I guess David Pleat said to him, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking it in a different direction, but if you want to stay, you can. But I'm, I'm only guessing, but I would imagine he said, you know, I'll, I'll go and play football elsewhere. If I'm not going to be starting, he felt we could start elsewhere. He had a lot left to give. Yeah. I think he did pretty well when he went up to Rangers. So, yeah. I mean, we lost him. We put a Max Miller as well, didn't we? I mean, Maxi went in that season. It was the breakup of a few guys who'd been part of that Falco as well. sort of FA Cup era. Yeah, Falco went as well in that season. Yeah, yeah. Is Max a, a nickname for Paul then? For Paul Miller? Maxi Miller, oh yes. I, I yeah, all, his, all his friends call him that. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that, there was a bit of money up at Rangers as well, wasn't there at the time? Yeah. So yeah. like uh, quite a lot of uh, players going up there. Uh, and, and then Sim, if you can take us through up to the Chelsea game, that would be good. Kind of contradicted myself a bit because I said it wasn't a great start, but then I mean we did with two of our first three. Yeah. But it went a bit dodgy after that. We lost to Southampton, drew nil nil with Arsenal, and got beat three one at home by Chelsea. And Alan got a goal in that game, but it's a it's kind of like this wasn't even the period where Chelsea had one over us, but no. but they still did us in this game. I just want to ask a question for I mean I remember I went to that game and I feel looking in hindsight Mickey Hazard run the game that day. I don't know if you guys yeah. remember that he ran it and I felt really aggrieved. Him playing there yeah. and being such a big Spurs man, Peter. How did you sort of feel? See, yeah, see I there was a time, yeah, when I yeah. thought that you know he was stepping into Hoddle's shoes, and, yeah. you know, and people. I remember being on the uh, pack, up in the Paxton Road, and and somebody saying that Hoddle has a flash, but Hazard is more consistent. You know, yeah. so at, at, at one particular time when he was really. Yeah. The main man. We, we, got, we got, I don't know, Paul, if you remember that game, like, I mean, they literally ran right over us. I mean, Richard Goff actually went off injured. Do you remember the game, Paul? Yeah, I do. I just think Mickey Hazard just wanted to, I think he loves Spurs, he still does, but I think he wanted to show them that they shouldn't have let him go. I mean, he's, because of Glenn Hoddle, he, he didn't get the games he felt maybe he could have got. And, uh, you know, he stepped up. Although he loved the club, he wanted to prove, like, you know, like all good professionals, wanted to prove people wrong, to prove that they were wrong to let him go. And I, I do remember that day, he was, he was sensational. He was sensational, it was very upsetting. And then Sim, if you can sort of take us through the next sort of five or six games, that would be great. Again, not particularly consistent. It was only kind of when we got to the, possibly the, the second quarter of the season where we started to pick up a bit of form. 
Um, so after that Chelsea game, we won a couple. We beat Leicester and Everton. Clive Allen got two in both those games, 2-1 and 2-0. Drew at Luton. Beat Liverpool 1-0 away, which is, yeah. I mean, a, a win at Anfield is always a bit of a rarity. Does anyone remember that game? That's a big scout, but I don't actually remember it. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I, I remember it. Yeah, I do I remember it. I remember the game before. I just want to take you back to the game before, actually, guys. Um, played Luton at home, and uh, they, they don't do this anymore. They don't have people sign. They don't introduce the, the, the transfers to the crowd at half-time. I don't know if you remember, Nico Klassen had signed, I think, a day before, and they introduced yeah. him to the crowd at that Luton game, and it was just... It's just something that you might want to do a bit more often. What do you reckon, Paul? Bit of a fanfare? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think well, they still do it to an extent, don't they? I mean, we've done it. I think we did it with the Chelsea, didn't we? I think we have done it. They still bring them out, or, or Coity has a chat with them on the pitch. Yeah, at, you're right. Sometimes at half time when we have a new signing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you still see it now and again. I think there was a game I was at this season. It might have been Norwich at home, and I think the player they were parading was Gedson. So maybe uh, maybe some of them. I mean, it could still work out for him, I suppose, couldn't it? Yeah. I mean, go, going back to that Liverpool game. I mean, Peter, we hardly ever. I mean, I think the season before was the first time we beat them since the Titanic went down, and then we yeah. beat them again. I mean, that that's a, that's a massive hoodoo, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just. I don't know if it was mental, but it was like I come up, started going to Spurs during an, an era where we just could not get a result up there, and I think mm. it was Garth Crooks that. It was, yeah. it was, it was, it was, it? It was. Uh, that broke the, it was. the yeah. duck, and uh, yeah, so just so certain grounds we just had to ruin it, and that was that was kind of a real graveyard for us, but yeah, it was. yeah so it was a real big scalp to get. Do you remember that, Paul? Yes, yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember the Crooksy game, obviously that was the key one, when, as you yeah. said, we finally won there for the first time since 1912, but um, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't remember, can't remember the goal. Uh, to be honest, in this one, or, or the, the nature of the winner, but I do remember us winning away. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was Clive Allen who scored, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It was Clive yeah. Allen. Yeah, pretty yeah. much most games. Prolific. Yeah, it was prolific. Um, and I, I just felt like this this sort of point. We, you know, we were as you said, I think Paul earlier. We were a bit stuttering. You know, we we never really got going. And I just sort of think. You know, there's lots of what ifs we talk about, Paul, on here. But what what if we'd had a much better, a bit of a better start? You know, we, this this was a season we could have won that league. And I think in hindsight, the start was not great. The first ten games, I think. And Paul, is that your sort of recollection of it? Suddenly, we had a bit in the middle where we went on massive great runs. Well, it happened a few times, didn't it? We mm. we go on a run and then we'd mm. lose a few, mm. and then we'd win a few, then we'd lose a few, and you know, generally teams that that win the title. Yeah. They're just not streaky like that, you know. The teams that that, that come up short are often streaky. That's yeah. that doesn't help you. We just could never find that. I mean, you know, what's changed? Let's be honest. What's we changed? Could yeah. find, we could never find that consistency, and then we'd always have a rickiness. We'd always have a fairly unlikely defeat somewhere, you know, at, at games, it, which was always very frustrating, you know. Well, that, I, mean, I mean, we lost the QPR around this time, didn't we? As well, yeah, we did. As, yeah, as I mean, saying, yeah, that's right. So you know, it's just. That was the kind of classic thing, wasn't it? Yeah, where you'd where you'd uh, you'd go out and you'd think, well, we should win that one. The next thing, we'd lost it. So that was the frust. It was a frustrating period, really, in the league. I think. Yeah, and I think I think Sim, if you can sort of take us from the Liverpool game, the next four games that we didn't win, did we? We win away at Liverpool, as you say, Paul, streaky. Then we didn't win the next four games. Who were they against? So the game after the Liverpool game was uh, was a one-one against Wednesday. Yeah. That did mean that we were unbeaten in five, but then we lost three in a row to yeah. QPR, Wimbledon, and Norwich, and. Possibly that was that was the kick that we needed to 
to to um to propel the season. But Ian, I think you've got something to say about the Wimbledon game, was it? Yeah, it just it just I mean I was a huge fan of Pleat. I think he was a really good in interviews. I really liked him, and I remember. Um, the Wimbledon game was their first game up, uh, their first season up, and they were just aggressive. They were like a Sunday league team, and and I just remember we got bullied by them, massively bullied by Fashioner. I think Fashioner and Cork scored, and I remember after the press conference afterwards, uh, they went to Pleat. They said um, that uh, you know he Pleat said, well Wimbledon were like very f- over physical, and then the journalist said to him, well. Dave Bassett said it takes uh, two to tango, and then David Pleat came back with, "But does dancing have to be so physical?" And I just, I just thought he had a real—he was a great in press conferences. And I, I don't know, Paul, have you have you ever met him and, and interviewed him? Uh, yeah, so I've spoken to him a couple of times over the years when I worked in magazines uh, more than more than uh, these days because he sort of doesn't really do any Italian stuff anymore. He does a bit for the Bees, doesn't he? I think still. Yeah. But, but yeah, he's a, he's an interesting guy. I've talked to him about that sort of Tottenham period, but as I said, the way it all ended makes it can make it quite a difficult conversation sometimes. Yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, he was you know as I said, I think he was he was an original thinker at times, and he, he didn't get always get it right, and he was still trying to at this stage sort of bed in a new team and get used to the players and, and find a find a system that he felt suited everybody and played to everybody's strengths. So. I suppose when a new manager comes in, you've got to give him a little bit of a grace period, haven't you? Yeah, and, and as I said, I think that Oxford is the next game, Sim. And yeah. this this is where the four five one allegedly comes in from my research. Really? Yeah. yeah, And Sim, you can sort of see an upturn in results, can't you? You can, yeah. Just just quickly on on Pleat. I mean, in my time, I've kind of I've, like uh, Paul alluded to. I've heard him on commentary, and it's interesting the fact that he stayed. He was only at the club as as manager for about eighteen months, but. He seemed to keep cropping up in the whether it would be like in the director of football role or as caretaker manager later down the line. I mean, he must have he must have been really highly regarded by the club in just the time that he was there. And I think we did we did say that possibly the club um, might have let him down a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't see. know. Like is when or maybe he could have it could have been handled a bit better. His initial his initial dismissal, but yeah. clearly he's made an impression on the club in that time. Well, after his, his yeah. unfortunate departure, he did, yeah, as you say, came back, came back in a number of different roles, you know, so it wasn't the end, you know, for him. Yeah, yeah. So, so after this uh, Oxford United win away, which we won 4-2, which unbelievably, in, in my research, you can find the full game on YouTube. The full oh, game. Really? really? Yeah. It's, coverage it's, at all? Yeah, full coverage. Yeah, it's interesting. And then so we won a bit of a run, didn't we, about 4-5-1? Yeah, we did, yeah. I mean, we lost the, the next game to uh, to Forest 3-2, and no, no surprises, Alan got both of the goals. And then we, the game after that, we drew 3-3 at Old Trafford. That was actually Sir Alex Ferguson's fifth game in charge. Oh, wow. Interestingly, they finished um, 11th this season. It was a late equaliser from them that kind of saved them that game. Overall, it was only three defeats out of out of the next 15 in that middle part of the season. A uh, part in the season that put us to within, I think about, we never got to within about nine points of, Everton at the top yeah. and it's like you said it's just possibly the the start of the season that stopped us being in a title conversation and then then we actually beat um, Chelsea away 2-0 which was a, a rare thing in these days um, Paul and we won Clive Allen got both the goals I remember actually I went to that game and we, we just started to click then and do you remember Paul at the stage in the season where we said we just started to click a little bit yeah yeah I think that system was starting to work I remember it's on Richard Goff was talking about a game at that period and he said Clive Allen in the game probably touched the ball four times and scored a hat-trick yeah. because that's 
that was what he was doing. I mean, they were just, I mean, it's unfair to say to Clive, they laid him on a plate because he made good runs and he got in good positions. But, you know, so much of that creative work was being done by the midfield. And if he, he knew that if he got in good positions and popped up in the right places, he'd score goals. And I think the team got, they, you know, they started to get a lot of confidence who do you from think that. Those, they knew they had goals in them. So Who do you think those key players in that midfield were, Paul, in that 4-5-1 um, team? Who do you think the key players were? You know, I've never looked at the assists, but I'd say, I mean, obviously, I, I imagine Hoddle made a, would have made quite a lot of them. Uh, when you look at that and Waddle as well but you know they were only as good as they didn't have to worry about what was going on behind them because yeah. of the work of some of the other players in that team like uh, you know Ozzy was still playing working hard Paul Allen like you said was a bit of a dynamo he, he was winning a lot of the ball and getting forward so and Steve Hodge when he came in sort of December time so so yeah I mean I think it was a good unit I mean that was the, that was the key to it really because the, the creative midfield players couldn't have done the work for Clive Allen unless less and, and that freedom that Glenn had, he wouldn't have had if we didn't have sort of people working hard behind him. Yeah, Peter, yeah, I think Paul yeah. Allen is yeah. like you said about Paul. Paul Allen was key for me in that midfield. Was it? Was yeah. he for you? His, his running was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like somebody like sort of a little bit unnoticed, and that you but you take him out of the team and you notice he's not there. You know. Mm because he played that sort of unsung, sort of knackering mm. sort of role. Mm. But, but like you said, he got the balance, Plate got the balance, you know, because uh, uh, Hoddle couldn't have done the things without him there. Mm. But then in contrast to maybe the Aussie team that was unbalanced mm. le- later on, you know, the, the, the famous, yeah. famous five. Yeah, they were huge. Balance. But I, I actually think as well, the four-five-one was, yes, it was genius, but I think possibly there was a period in the season where possibly other teams sort of found us out a little bit and they possibly mirrored our formation. From memory, there was a couple of games like that. Um, but I think at first, people just, you know, you had four defenders picking up one striker, then you had about all these free running midfielders, Waddle, Allen, yeah. and Hodge running at you. You know, it's quite fearsome, wasn't it, looking back? And I used to love that way. That, that possibly of all my Spurs support in life has been one of the, my favourite seasons watching, purely because the style they played, Paul. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was very exciting football. And you're right, I think it took a little while for teams to, to suss out how best to sort of new to Spurs in that setup. I mean, some teams did. But uh, at first, it, it took a while for them to, to, to get a handle on it. Mm. It's always nice to, to feel like you're innovating as well. I think there's, if, if there's a certain team, maybe if you're going to put it into a today contest, I think Sheffield United, they're high up in the league. And also there's, there's a lot of satisfaction, not just around their fan base, but around the league, that they seem to be innovating and playing in a different, in a different way. And I think it's always nice... Yeah. if you're doing something differently it makes you quite a likeable team yeah I agree mm. and I think we really I think for me one of the performances of the season and I think we really just clicked was uh, the Boxing Day game against uh, West Ham coming from a family of West Ham fans it was <laughs> particularly nice and I went I went with my family as well so it was particularly nice Paul do you remember that game? yes yeah I do yeah yeah it was always good to uh, it's always good to beat West Ham wasn't it it was always a joy mm. Steve Hodges debut as well yeah, yeah it was, uh, it was, uh, was it 4-0, four, four wasn't it? Yeah, it was 4-0, yeah. 4-0, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then, and interestingly, the next game, we played Coventry away, and I, I don't know if you, you guys know a story about this, that we had to wear Coventry's um, away kit, the yellow kit. I remember that. Really? I remember yeah. that, yeah. Our kit didn't arrive, or there was something. No, 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 our, our kit was, we were wearing white, and the referee said... No, no, there's too much of a colour clash. Yeah, because we wore all white that season for some reason. Yeah, yeah, and then we so we had to wear their yellow 
their yellow away kit. That's interesting <laughs> because because um, looking back at the FA Cup final, which we'll obviously get onto, mm. the kit clash lo- looks like looks almost it's it's quite undecipherable at times. Yeah, yeah. That sky blue and yeah. the white and yeah, yeah. I I I do remember that that thing of wearing the yellow shirts though. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, yeah, isn't any, it? Any particular reason why we wore all white that season? I don't, not not sure, not sure. They, I mean, they wore so they wore blue and white blue and white stripes at that time, Cobb. So it was a bit like Tottenham playing Sheffield Wednesday and thinking there's a colour clash. Yeah, so it is quite yeah. it's quite strange, isn't it? Really? Yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen pictures of them, Paul? Though it was really weird because our team's in uh, this yeah, yeah. Coventry. Yeah, they look like they look like Watford. It's like a Watford kid. Yeah, like it does, doesn't it? And stuff. We, yeah. Played like, we played like Watford. Yeah, it was a dreadful yeah. day, actually. And, and just, just on this game, and we'll sort of come on to it, um, just, just watching this game on YouTube like last week, just in, in research, we were bullied by Regis um, yeah. in that game. And I think that was the same sort of thing as happened in the cup final, which we come on to. And how, sorry, Regis and Houchin bullied us that day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think Goff and Mabbott were fantastic defenders. But I think possibly... I, I, I felt they got out-muscled a few times. I remember Goff was out-muscled by Kerry Dixon in the home game, um, so much so he got injured and went off. Um, Paul, was that your sort of recollection of... They, they yeah. Were, they, they I mean, they were, both, they were both football... I mean, you know, Richard Goff was good in the air, he was strong, but they were both footballing centre-halves. You know, they were quite, they were quite silky players. Yeah. Uh, both of them liked to play out from the back and the, the way they liked to play their football. So maybe at times... If you did get a, a, a very physical side, not that either of them weren't up to it, it's just yeah. it didn't always play to their strengths being sort of worked over like that. You know, the way other defenders that they love a battle, I think those two always wanted to play football if, if they could. Yeah, I agree. And um, Richard Goff said in an interview that, um, you know, that all he wanted to do was pass the ball. He was really playing football passing the centre half. And he actually said the best football he'd played in his career was that season really? and he said oh, that okay. all, all he wanted to do was like Hoddle said to him when he first met he said always make me your first pass and get it to me as quickly as possible yeah mm. and yeah. Peter that that's yeah I mean it was a delight it was a delight to watch him he, he was uh, like I said like a footballing centre half uh, like you, you mentioned Mike England sort of in that same sort of mode you know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just a shame. He just did. Did he get homesick or something, or his wife wanted to go back? Yeah, I, I think it might. That's what they always say, when it? That his yeah. missus wanted to go back. I mean, they turned a yeah. profit on him, but you know, they got him for a million quid. But you know, two hundred and fifty odd thousand quid yeah. for a player that I think, if he'd stayed for ten years, would have been something else because he was kind of for a player only stayed for a year. There's still a lot of love for him. People still talk oh, about yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great Tottenham player, but he was in there for a season, you know. Yeah, yeah. I heard Mabbert sort of eulogising about him and saying that how he tried to persuade him to stay, but you know, uh, yeah. he just wasn't there. You know. And I'll be honest, he's not the yeah. player that's really, it's not a name that's kind of come up too much in my sort of, mm. I, I don't, I haven't, maybe it's because I haven't been attuned to the name, but yeah. it's, it's, it's not a name I've heard you think that of, much, really. Think of Toby Alderweireld. Think of that. Yeah, I get the, the way you kind of player, the way yeah. you guys are describing. It, I yeah. can definitely yeah. picture the, the player. Yeah. The He's a wonderful player. And then we beat uh, we beat um, Charlton in the next game, but then we lost to Arsenal, so we won't talk about that. In the I remember it was a really pissing down and rain that day. Anyway, then we went on a nice little run, didn't we? Sim? the Aston Villa game onwards. We did. Yeah, this is quite a. It's an interesting part of the season because um, strangely we played, including a cup game, which will will split the FA Cup into a, into a different part. But we played six home games in a row. So the first one, I believe, was that Arsenal game, which, like you said, we're yeah. not going to talk about. But as well as beating Scunthorpe in the Cup, we won 
all five of those next home games. And I think the standout one, just results-wise, would be beating Leicester 5-0. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a good game. But then the a really, really sad game was after that when we played QPR and Danny Thomas got that injury. Paul, what, yeah. what, what, what do you, I mean, Danny Thomas was a wonderful player and I think we were robbed of a really great player there. Possibly, who knows what would have happened if he was stayed fit, Paul, do you agree? Yeah, I think he would have gone on to be an England regular. I think he was a, he was a wonderful football. I think had he you know, carried on developing, he probably would have been England's right back. He was a sensational player. That was a, I mean, I, was, I used to stand... Now and again, just at the bottom of the East Stand with some mates. And I've been very unfortunate twice to be right in front of two horror tackles. One mm. one on Danny Thomas by uh, Gavin Maguire, which yeah. finished his career. And the one that a um, couple of years later, I think, that uh, Gary Stevens got from Vinnie Jones. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that, but it was just horrible. It was just the Maguire one, I think he did get. I think he probably did get a red that day, but it was an horrendous challenge, yeah. Yeah. and it was a shame that he never came back because he was. No, he was a cracking player. Was, was England slightly weaker right back at that point? I think it was was it Paul Parker who was playing playing there at that it would time? Would have been a bit early for Paul Parker. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, had, we always sort of defensively yeah, England yeah, always yeah. had good options, but I think he was. I mean, Danny Thomas had played a couple of England. He played just played on a tour, I think, and he yeah, played yeah, a lot of under twenty ones. And he was definitely going to come through. He was definitely going to get better and better. I think the Everton, that. So that was, that was really the Everton Gary Stevens was in front of him. I think at yeah, right was, back yeah, at the time, but yeah. it's a real shame because yeah. he gave us such pace down the down the flanks, didn't he? And, and yeah. part of that yeah. formation, he was. Oh, it was just the, it was a real. I, you know, I, I remember going that away from that game feeling very sad actually. But we still we won the game, yeah. and then we had Liverpool at home, and we uh, we done the double over Liverpool. Didn't we see? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the few seasons in this kind of period that Liverpool didn't win the league. I mean, interestingly, Everton were quite were quite a good side at this time. I think it was was it Howard Kendall who was their yep. who was their manager. Yeah, um, yeah, one nil one nil at home to Liverpool. Yeah, Waddle got a goal, and I think we we wanted to talk a bit about the attendances, didn't we? Because this was this was a thirty two thousand game, and I think clearly it was a bit more like on the day you could turn up. You didn't have to like sort out a ticket in advance, and yeah. you could get in. Possibly, it wouldn't be as expensive to get in but I think there's there's games where the, the tennises would drop down to about 19,000 yeah I mean yeah. Peter I'm sure you remember we, we've talked to Paul on here quite a lot actually about um, you know sort of the, the tendencies weren't that great during a bad era of football because of hooliganism the stadiums yeah. is a in a little bit and it just wasn't possibly a nice place to watch football but some of the crowds I mean we had West Ham Boxing Day it was 39,000 then you know, then mm. we had Aston Villa nineteen thousand. It's crazy, isn't it, Paul? Do you remember? Do you remember the disparity in crowds from week to week? Yeah, I mean, West Ham Boxing Day was always a, was always really really busy, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, yeah, they were always that was always a big draw. But you're right, yeah, you would you you'd get some very very odd crowd numbers at that sort of time. But obviously, the derby was the derbies were always yeah uh, you know a lot of people wanted to see those. What I remember of this period is that we had loads of gamings in hand, didn't we? Because Mm. We were still in two cups, and we had, I mean, we had quite a lot of games still in hand. So although we weren't sort of near the top of the table, or at you know in the top three or four, we had we had an opportunity to to make it up with the games in hand. Yeah, this, we were, sort of, this sort of period, we were third, Paul, um, Peter. We were third, sort of towards the end of March, and you know we, we had a chance then, didn't we? Do you think yeah, looking yeah. back, Peter, we had a chance of winning that league? But as Paul says, we had games in hand. Yeah, did we fall away because of? That maybe the squad was stretched. Um, Fred Bear 
played 57 games. Didn't you, 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 yeah, you're, you're competing in all those tournaments, yeah. and you're, you know, I think maybe that's what told on them in the end. Maybe, perhaps. I don't know what you think, Paul. Yeah, but I mean, there was that period, wasn't there, when they, was it five games in 15 days they played, didn't yeah. they? So, um, I just think they, yeah, they couldn't, they just couldn't cope with the amount of games. They couldn't find that consistency in the league. And as I said, it's that thing, when you're stretched on three fronts, there's always a danger you're going to come up short yeah. on all three. And, and that's ultimately what happened that season, sadly. But yeah. also, also the, the, we, a lot of our players had come from a World Cup as well, like the summer before. So yeah. I think, you know, yeah. Yeah. Hodge, Hoddle, Waddle, yeah. uh, not Waddle, I don't think. Um, but yeah, and even golf was at the World Cup. And yeah. But what, what were we, 15, 15 points off of Everton, Everton who won it? At the end, yeah, yeah but so we just fell away, you know, yeah. if, if we look sort of, we head, we're heading towards the end of the season here, you know, we, we lost, we didn't have a great end to the season, did we, Sim? No, I mean, no. What, what, what's changed? Yeah, what's, what's changed? changed? Spurs, yeah. In a, Spurs in a conversation. Spurs in March. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In March, I, I, yeah. I, I think they put everything into the FA Cup, I mean, yeah. you've got, you, I mean, it's, it's probably hard for Sim to know the way... Yeah, the FA Cup was sort of venerated in those days. People absolutely, it was it was huge. Yeah, and so you could imagine a team saying, "Look, let's be honest, we're unlikely to win the league now the way things are going." Yeah, and we saw that kind of towards the end of the season. You saw mentally, yeah, them start to focus on the FA Cup, the FA Cup final, and yeah. I think that, that you know that had a bearing on it as well. It's so it's so true because that's that's one of it goes down as one of the most painful Spurs games. Possibly of a lot of people's memory, doesn't it? That commentary game, and I, I constantly hear Spurs fans heart back to that and going like, I can't, I can't rewatch that game or yeah. something like that. So clearly, <laughs> clearly, the FA Cup was meant masses, yeah. I just, I just want to go back though um, to Clive Allen. I mean, Clive Allen, you know, we talked, he's scored a lot of goals in this season, forty nine. But I just, I, I, I don't want sort of people to sort of listeners to think that he was a one trick pony and he was just only, he was just on the end of things. He was a really good player, you know. He, mm. he had good hold up play. His movement was good. He wasn't the quickest, but he had a great scoring record even before this season, Peter. What was yeah. your sort of take on Clive Allen? Yeah, I mean, it's a, there's a bit of a parallel with uh, with Thierry Lineker in terms that he would just get on the end of things. Yeah. And that's sometimes like almost like frowned upon in the fact that he didn't have much to do with the build-up. Like, mm. But then he didn't need to. Yeah. Because, you know, the team was structured in such a way that like mm. he just needed to get on the end of things. And like a, like a Lineker-style toe poke at the end, you know, yeah. just right on... You know, a, a real box predator, really. Yeah, his movement yeah. was great. Paul, what was your take on Clive Allen? Yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he was a sensational player. He was really, as you said, there was he wasn't just about finishing. But if you're going to score forty nine goals in a season, you know, you've obviously got to have that ability to to get on the end of stuff and attack the space and run into the right places. So, yeah. I mean, that was his job. It, whatever the way, however he wanted to play that season. Although, if you're a goal scorer. And you're getting that sort of service. It must be an absolute dream. Yeah, it must be. And also, I think they bought Nico Klassen as sort of you know as a striker to play with him, but he just never really worked. And I, Paul, do you remember Klassen was sort of shoehorned into a midfield role? It just didn't really work for him, did he? Really, I Spurs? No, yeah, he was. He was. I remember a few times he'd come on and score key goals mm. uh, as a sub. You know, he was a bit. He was a bit of a super sub. You know, he never felt. He always looked better when he come off the bench. Yeah. than he did when he started games for me, Klassen. Yeah, I agree. He, he started in, in that FA Cup, I know we're going to come on to that, yeah. the 4-0 FA Cup win against Palace. Yeah. Now, all, all my in-laws are Palace fans, and for some reason right. we had all, me and all my in-laws, 
in up in the shelf watching us beat them 4 0. So that was a really great day. And Carson got two in that game. Did, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Paul, just going back to Paul Allen as well, uh, while we're on the Allen, Allens, um, I actually feel he was really unlucky not to get an England uh, call up that season. Peter, what's your thoughts? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know who was ahead of him at the time, but. Hodge? <laughs> Hoddle? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think there was. We had a lot of quality in that yeah. particular position. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, he kind of just missed out there because of the, I guess, the competition. Was Robson around that time? Yeah, he was around. Yeah, but I remember there was yeah. there was poor. There was one England game where we had five players playing in that season. So we had Gary Stevens, Hoddle, Waddle, Hodge. I can't remember who the other one was. Because England had a guy called. Was Trevor Stephen the Everton yeah, yeah, Trevor, yeah, Trevor yeah. Stephen? No, without the S. Yeah. He was part of uh, that title-winning midfield. Yeah, he was. Do you remember who the other five was? The other player who played for Spurs in England. There's five of us. Oh, Clive Allen. Clive Allen played. For Clive England. Allen would have done. So there's yeah. five of us. Yeah, yeah. five players in, in a team. Imagine a half the England team. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> yeah, anyway, let's let, let's move on towards the end of the the, the league season, Sim. Yeah, the end of the season, as as Paul pointed out, it's. Maybe just the games kind of caught up with us a bit. We had that run of of the five wins in a row, yeah. And then it kind of it got a bit it got a bit patchy, didn't it? We yeah. we drew at Newcastle, mm. lost at Luton to uh, yeah. to Fleet's old club. Uh, we did beat Norwich three 0 Alan got a hat trick in that game. That was yeah. the third of, of three hat tricks that season. And I think uh, Paul, this is the game Richard Goffs is talking about because I remember I went to this game. And Clive Allen, I don't think, touched the ball, then scored a hat-trick in about eight minutes. Paul, is it, do you yeah. think this is the game? I think it must be, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, yeah, it, it, that, that could have happened, couldn't it, with the sort of service he was getting. Yeah, he was sure. Uh, and yeah, I, I do seem to remember that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sim, you've taken, so we finish, end up finishing uh, the last couple of games we lost, but we had like a really, uh, if you can list the team out for our last game of the season, which was the week before the cup final. Yeah, so we, we were beaten by Everton on the... Yeah, like you said, one one nil the uh, the week before the cup final, and the team that played that day, I think there were five debutants in that team. So the whole team was Tony Parks, Chris Hewton, Mark Simpson, John Polston, Neil Rudder, Gary Stevens, Nico Klassen, John Monker, Vinnie Samways, Phil Gray, and Paul Moran. But Simpson, Monker, Samways, Gray, and Moran were all debutants wow. that day, and I think that's just. I mean, at that point, there's nothing to really achieve in the league, is there? No, there's a few uh, players there, uh, Peter, which you yeah. could sort of come, which featured in the coming years, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you, you think about uh, people like Neil, uh, Neil, uh, uh, Vinnie Samuels, sorry, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, with the climax to the season, did it feature that wonder goal from Glenn Hoddle? The one against Oxford. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you remember that, Paul, but I, I went to an evening with Glenn Hoddle. Where he did like this talk, and he, everybody was getting misty-eyed as he sort of reminisced about that goal. He said, "What a way! If you could find a way to bow out, yeah, what yeah. a way to go past five players, sit the goalkeeper down, yeah. and then pass it into the net, and then blow kisses to the yeah. crowd. Yeah. What, what, what an exit to make! Yeah, yeah, no, it was uh, that was yeah, one of the great." One of the great White Hart Lane moments, I think, of of that era. It was uh, really memorable. Memorable. You know, we were comfortably in control of that game. There was no jeopardy. So, for him just to score a goal like that was was fantastic. I also remember we got fined for that team against Devon. They got fined ten grand for putting out an, an understrength team. Oh, really? um, That's a bit petty, isn't it? So, Considering they won the league already. Well, yeah, I just, I just, you know, it was the old integrity of the league, as they like to call it. But they put out. They just saved players for the cup final, so um, yeah. 
yeah, the league kept finding ten grand. Yeah, just on just on that Hoddle goal, I don't think if you asked him how we scored that goal, like particularly the finish as well, I don't think he could tell you. I think just for a player of that class, I think what he does in that final yeah. move of that goal, I think he it's just completely it. instinctive. He said he goes yeah. and he goes. He went into a trance. That's what he said. But yeah, did he? Because sort of, uh, he he. His favourite actual goal was the volley against Man United in yeah. the, um, the League Cup or the FA Cup, yeah, yeah, uh, sure, yeah, yeah. where the uh, one, one, two, one, with one two with Aussie. That's his favourite goal ever. But then uh, I think it was pretty the, the Oxford United goal was yeah. pretty high up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, Paul, just just to sort of on Hoddle, because this was his last season for us. What did he have which no one else had for you? He was just he was just a genius. He was. I mean, he just do things that. That you know you couldn't believe in your own eyes. I remember t- he'd sort of turn on something and he'd hit a ball about forty-five yards with a backspin, and it would just sit up for the player. It would just sort of stop. And I talked to Crooksy about this once when kind of Gaza was in his pomp. We were talk- chatting about who was the better player, and I'd say sort of Glenn all day, and he agreed because Glenn could do things that you couldn't believe in your own eyes. You know, he'd he'd spot things that no one else could spot, and then he'd deliver the pass in such a way that. I mean, it was just ludicrous. I mean, I think he's one of the greatest English players of all time. And, you know, it's a bit of a crime that the England side wasn't built around in the way it might have been under David Pleat. And instead, it was built around Brian Robson, who, who was a great player, but was injured for a lot of it. So, yeah, you know, he never had the trust. I don't think he really ever had the trust of Bobby Robson to, to run a game. And I don't think we ever completely saw the best of him from an England point of view. But, you know, you ask Platini, you ask all the greats of world football, and they'll all talk about Hoddle. He was—I mean, we were very fortunate to, for a few years, to see one of the greatest players of all time in my eyes. Yeah, um, can I try to because on on the Hoddle thing, um, I remember even before a previous England manager sort of scandalously left him out in favour of Neil Webb. Ah, I remember him sort of yes. like not being. Yeah, you know, I, I think this sort of mutterings of work rate and stuff yeah. like that. You know, but yeah. like like he had he been. Playing in Europe, he would have been granted the status of a platinum. Yeah, I mean, I actually think, yeah. I don't know about you guys, I actually think possibly in his pomp, which was possibly this season and a couple of seasons before, and obviously in the early 80s, he possibly was one of the top three players in the world for me, and, and that's no yeah. exaggeration. I don't know, um, yeah. Sim, you might think we're exaggerating, we were one of the top players in the oh, world, but he did, there's, possibly nice Mar- there's possibly Maradona ahead of him. I, I don't know who else is a Platini, obviously, as well. He could have his own goal of the season competition as yeah. well, if you just list his goals. And, yeah. and the passes were long. Like you mentioned the 40 yard passes, but then he could, yeah. you know, he could mix it up. And yeah. He could, he, he's, for, for a midfield player, pretty up. You know, he, he had an eye for goal as well. And also, I think, Paul, I don't know about you, uh, I think he, they sort of called him Glenda a little bit, but he didn't mind sticking his toe in. Would you say that, Paul? He did. He did later on. I mean, in the early days, he had sort of he had his mind there. I think as soon as Graham Roberts left, you know, if, if anybody kicked Glenn, they knew that Robbo would come after him. But I think after Robbo had gone, um, I think he had to sort of fend for himself a little bit. And he, yeah, he wasn't the greatest tackler though. He was a bit like Paul Scholes. Yeah. He wasn't very. He wasn't very good at it. Uh, and he, yeah, I think he picked up a few bookings along the way. But uh, but yeah, he did get a touch more physical. It's probably because you know. He'd probably been told to by various managers over the years. Yeah, yeah. Why, why have him in your team for that though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting though that you know he was such an integral part of this David Pleat team. But yeah. then you know we've heard murmurings in when we've been doing this research, Paul, that him and Pleat were not—they did not get on 
Have you heard those murmurings? What, uh, Hoblum Fleet? Correct, yeah. I, I wasn't aware of that, actually. Yeah. But uh, nothing's ever been... Late, but it's quite possible. Later days, was it? Yeah, so, I think I think when he yeah. came back as manager and Pleat was director of football. Um, so oh, that, oh, yeah, OK. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would completely believe that. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that director of football role is, you know... I mean, obviously, if you're a manager and you've got someone who's a kind of linked to the board, that is quite a difficult relationship to have. You know, you've been... You've been uh, employed by the board to do their bidding, so the manager may look upon you as, as their man reporting back to them. So yeah, I can under- that's a difficult role to do without falling out of any manager. Yeah, I think I agree. So we finished season third, which is not a bad, well, which is a great season. A bit frustrating, as you said earlier. Um, and then Sim. So if you take us into the League Cup, how did we do there? If you take us through to the West Ham game, I think that'd be great. Yeah, it's quite sad that we're going to talk about the cups now, and both of them unfortunately end very very painfully don't they that's Spurs um, isn't it yeah I mean yeah it's, it's what we sign up for yeah. at the end of the day so we got to the semis of the League Cup we beat the Division 2 Barnsley 8-5 on aggregate in the first one so that was 3-2 away and 5-3 at home Birmingham 5-0 at home 4th Division Cambridge United 3-1 away and we drew 1-1 at West Ham in the replay we won 5-0 at the lane and yeah, I mean, Clive Allen got a hat trick in that game. I mean, that, that that night, I don't think I've heard the line. That that was just raucous that night. Rocking, do you remember that? Yeah. Game? It was rocking. Yeah. Paul, do you remember that game? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was fairly hefty. I imagine there was. Remember the segregation not being great. It being a bit. It being yeah. a bit naughty at times yeah, in, in that game as well in the crowd because they seem to be scattered all over the stadium. I didn't got tickets from, but it was a little bit. I think it'd be a bit of a. As it often was against him, it was a bit of a naughty night, if I remember. The highest crowd of the season, wasn't it? 40, yeah. 42,000. I was actually in the top of the East Stand. I'd never sat there before mm-hmm. for that game. And I remember there was lots of West Ham fans around. It was, it was not nice, especially they no. got battered as well. Mm. Yeah. But there was a great performance. And I, and I think that that night, you know, Alan got a hat-trick and Hodder scored a great goal, a really important goal time-wise. But Paul Allen that night, just perpetual motion he was. Yeah. And, and and Peter, for me, he was a really unsung hero that yeah, season. Metronome, he was like yeah. a metronome with, and, and just like a dynamo of a guy. Would win the ball back, I mean, otherwise, you know, Hoddle couldn't do what, what Hoddle did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was aggressive, he was Harry. He would actually be a great footballer in this period, do you think, Paul? Like a really energetic, technically good midfielder. Yeah, I suppose I'm trying, you're trying to think of the kind of equivalent now. He was someone who got on the ball and would sort of come charge forward. Mm. I don't know, I mean, maybe I mean you talk about England and players like them, for whatever reason. I suppose it's a bit of the Mark Nobles, if you like, if you're looking for sort of modern day comparison. Somebody could get on the front foot, yeah. run at players, could win the ball back, yeah. you know, would break stuff up, but was good from an attacking point of view. So sometimes you know you just have too much traffic in front of you as a player. And he was a little bit unlucky that he came about an era when there were a lot of other good midfield players from an England point of view in front of him. Yeah, he was such a strong runner. Um, so after mm. that game, then we uh, drew, then we had Arsenal in the semi-final. Sim, if you can take us through the semi-final, uh, please. Yeah, it was amazing. Clive Allen scored in, he scored in every single game in this in this League Cup run. Got 12 in total, there were nine games altogether. But yeah, a free, a trilogy against Arsenal in the in the early part of 1987. Games run between the 8th of February and the 4th of March. And um, the first one we won 1-0 at Highbury. Uh, guess who scored the goal? Um, but yeah, that was that was the semi-final first leg. And then they did us 2-1 at the lane. So we, we took the lead in that game. And we had a 2-0 yeah. yeah, aggregate lead. Mm-hmm. And then they 
came back with goals from Viv Anderson and Niall Quinn and it went to a replay. Yeah. Uh, Ian, were you were you at the replay? I was at all, all three of those games three, actually, but yeah. I think it was quite interesting there. I don't know if anyone remembers that half-time um, in the, the the one where we went 1-0 up, the, not not the replays one, mm. that they sort of said at half-time, so we were 2-0 up on aggregate, yeah. they said mm. they started to talk about getting your tickets for the final. Oh, no. Do you remember that, Paul, Peter? There was, I don't know. Yeah, there's, I, do you know, I don't remember it, but I remember there's always been stories, isn't there, that they start they played they were playing uh, sort of although that's right they, yeah they were talking about it was it was the, it was about getting your tickets for the game and just went a bit premature and yeah. I think George Graham said this is what they think you know yeah this is uh, they reckon they've got it's us so uh, yeah. so you know go out that's did the team talk for them so they said I don't know if that's true or not yeah. who knows but I don't remember I don't remember that happening but do you remember it happening? I don't. I don't remember it happening, but I remember sort of afterwards. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah I remember being at the game, but I think possibly I was a little bit out of control in my youth there. And I was. In, <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the pub before games. <laughs> I didn't yeah, remember. I remember yeah. the Rowcastle winner being particularly painful. Yeah, but then, but, but then, what was really interesting though, uh, Peter? We, we we had this sort of like replay, and and they actually tossed the coin for who had home advantage. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, and wow. we we That's won bizarre. the. Yeah, we want that is bizarre in this, you know. Yeah. We, I mean, obviously now there's not many replays like that, but mm. I think that's that's another game for us. And Paul has alluded earlier that this is all impinging on our league title um, mm. push at the time, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, of course. If you know, if you lose a, a little trilogy of games, if you play a trilogy of games against Arsenal and then ultimately lose them and don't go to the final, yeah. I think that'll take it out of your legs. I mean, you know, you've got. A, I mean, they did bounce back quite well, I think, mm. after that. But it's you know, it's. It's difficult. It's an accumulation of games, an accumulation of, of disappointments, really. Yeah. But what was brilliant, though, Arsenal got to the final and then they lost to Luton in the final. So Yeah, yeah that, that yeah. was good. Ricky yeah. Hill. Yeah, Ricky Hill. Ricky Hill I was compared to him once. Oh, were you? Yeah, in my playing days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's my nickname. Yeah, he's a lovely footballer, isn't he, Ricky Hill? Yeah. Lovely yeah, footballer. Yeah. Lovely yeah. footballer. So we've got knocked out the semi-final and then let's go on to the FA Cup, Sim. The FA Cup, yeah, so on the road to Wembley, we won home games against Scunthorpe 3-2 in the, the fourth division. I believe you have something to say about that. Yeah, it's just yeah. interesting. I don't know if you guys remember, they uh, obviously it was the FA Cup third round was massive then, and I remember they had a player, Scunthorpe had a player called uh, Julian Broddle, and we had Hoddle and Waddle, so it was Broddle, Hoddle oh, right. and Waddle <laughs> on the pitch. Yeah, the headline riders would have had a field there. Yeah, I think those journos of the sun must have lapped that up. But obviously we won, Sim, but yeah, carry on, sorry. Um, that's okay. Um, yeah, Palace Palace 4-0 in the next round, Newcastle 1-0, and then we won 2-0 up late against Wimbledon, and yeah. Watford 4-1 in the semi-final at Villa Park, which... Yeah. 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 I mean, the Newcastle game, I mean, they, I remember the Newcastle game, they had thousands of fans there, because they hadn't been doing very well, and I think they thought, oh, crikey, this is our chance, fifth round of the FA Cup. I don't know if you guys remember... Yeah. The noise at White Hart Lane from those Geordies, Jesus Christ, they were noisy. Yeah. yeah. That was a good game, but we actually played well there. And then Wimbledon away was on the TV. That was a great game. Paul, your memories of that? Hoddle and Waddle scored. Well, that, was what, that comes back to that story. I was, I was working on this radio series with Frankie Howard, and we used to record this. This was a Sunday game. I remember it being a it Sunday It was a Sunday, game, right. We, we recorded the show at the Paris Studios in London on the Sunday. And I did a lightly lad, so I just said, look, uh, I, I recorded the game live, videotaped it. See him ask your dad about videotape. <laughs> I videotaped it. And, um, and I watched it when I got in. I got in at about midnight from, from the recording. And uh, my missus said to me, you're going to watch it now? I said, yeah, yeah. She said, oh, okay. 
She said, look, I'll do you a favour. Just watch the last 10 minutes. <laughs> don't, sit up, don't sit up till two o'clock in the morning because it's not worth it. Just watch the last 10 minutes. So I got sort of spawned through. She's a keeper. Doubled, that's, that's... Doubled, yeah, just kept going. And then, uh, of course, in the last 10 minutes, uh, she, she, she put me right. I didn't think she would have said to me, watch the last 10 minutes if we'd lost. So I, I, I kind of, but yeah, yeah, she did save me nearly an hour and a half of, it wasn't great, it wasn't a great It wasn't great, that, really. that, that was because of the animosity between the two teams earlier in the season. I remember the press really built this game up, Peter, like, yeah, you know, yeah. fan, they were going to, like, you know, bash us up and, yeah, you know, yeah. that was a big thing. And, and Spurs actually were very strong that day, you know. They, they stood they, up to them, yeah. They like did that. stand up to them, yeah. I've just got the vision of Paul sort of scrolling through this VHS tape. It wasn't an easy task. The fast forward was, and the pause, you remember the pause button? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I miss, I miss the days of when it was possible to kind of avoid the score. It's just getting, you can still do it now, but it just gets harder and harder. And, nice. yeah. and I mean, yeah. there's phones and everything, it's just hard. I remember doing it for the, for match of the day for the Reading 6-4 game and I think it must have been about 2007. Yeah. It's just a really frightening thing to do. There was another time where, yeah. one. Uh, do you remember a few years ago when we got beat 6-0 at Man City? Oh God, yeah. And one of my mates, I kind of like, I, I said that I was avoiding the score and I think we were coming back from a game of football that I was actually playing in and I just said, yeah, don't tell me the score because I'm, I'm going to watch the game when I get home and he, I could kind of see like, a, little smirk, a little smirk on his face. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah interesting. <laughs> um, and then, then we had the semi-final against Watford. I don't know if you guys remember that semi-final. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to Villa Park for that one. It was, yeah. uh, it was uh, again, it was because we they didn't have a good keeper, did they? They had to put in their... Yeah, start with their third choice keeper, the guy, sort of one of the directors. Um, Chief executive son, Gary Blumley. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. It he, was, actually um, come, he has come out of retirement. Apparently, he had to sign and come out of retirement. Mm. Wow. And then he played. And, uh, it was easy, wasn't it? It was a. It was. I mean, it, you know, he, he let in a really soft one from Clive Allen, didn't he? Amongst all the goals. Yeah. He just he just didn't have a good day and. Uh, it was it was a not a lot of jeopardy in that game. You always felt we were going to win it, and we and we did really, didn't we? Quite comfortably. Yeah, we were three 0 up in thirty five minutes, and he yeah, was yeah. he was at fault for all the first three I goals. Can see the headline now, you yeah. plum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was it was a great story, but that but that was in the days, Peter. That that yeah. was real magic of the cup, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that was like you know we were like a, a cup side. Yeah, well, you know, and, yeah. you know, you thought once we got to that stage we would go on and, and win yeah. it, you know. As a real, as a real, a real uh, great. But you're right, though, Paul. I remember I went to the game with my dad, and it, it wasn't really no jeopardy in that game. You know, the game was pretty much over after 35 minutes. But you know, it's still great to win a semi final. But yeah, that was yeah. a fun day out. Yeah, it's it? just like as they all were. But um, yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was lovely to win a semi final, and you felt, you know, it was going to be Coventry, and you really would have fancied our chances against Coventry. The quality of our team. Yeah. You definitely would have fancied us in the finals. I think we all went there. Yeah. Feeling like we had a pretty good chance of winning it. So how did you feel on Cup final day, Paul? You know, obviously, you know, how old were you about, about the time? It's been about 27, 28 odd, I suppose, at the time. I was 30. 20, yeah, what have I been, about 26. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I thought, I thought, um, I, I felt very confident. Yeah, I thought we, I thought we were going to win. I thought we had a better team than them. And certainly when we scored early on, I thought, I didn't have that feeling that I normally have as a Tottenham fan, thinking, oh, too early, we scored too early. I normally do. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, but I didn't this day. I thought Asgood has given us a platform. We'll build on that. It felt 
felt like a two 0 game to me that, but um, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And Peter, how did you feel, Peter, on the cup final day? Yeah, there was a there was a drink, uh, Paul. Five alive, was it? Yeah, the, the five alive. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember leaping it in the air and sort of <laughs> shouting, Clive alive. <laughs> when it went up minutes, you know, at which point the missus sat me down and yeah. said, so like, you know, it's, you know, like, yeah. you're getting ahead of yourself, Clive which was alive. proven to be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Clive another, alive, I love that. Another particularly painful experience yeah. was Sim's dad, who was at the game. I used to. Yeah, like, my like, granddad to him. Sim's granddad, sorry. <laughs> oh, my dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he. We, I used to host the cup final and I, I used to make toasted cheese sandwiches. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you remember the old sandwich. Breville. Make, Breville, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you put, yeah. Don't, certain things you put in there, don't put cheese or tomatoes because <laughs> they become like molten lava. Yeah. yeah. sealed around the edges. <laughs> and so I remember his granddad taking a bite into one and yeah. trying to keep this molten hot tomato <laughs> airborne in his mouth so it didn't touch the sides of it where it would just take the skin off yeah, yeah. and so it was particularly painful for him and for me he, he, did, yeah. he didn't speak for the next 10 years no, no. Yeah. <laughs> he was, was traumatised by but I just remember a couple of yeah. those days were brilliant weren't they Paul and I remember I, I was living in Dagenham at the time and I remember I got all dressed up in my Spurs gear and yeah. I remember going to the tube at Dagenham which was West Ham country and getting a few funny looks on the Saturday morning early but I just remember being really it just felt I was skipping my step down to Wembley with like real much anticipation. You thought we were going to win. I did think we were going to win, but I always remember like you know the the newspapers the day before you know Coventry were the housewife's choice. Do they say yeah. that anymore? Well, Can it, you it, say it was that a great anymore? Story wasn't it? I mean, it was a good story. The joint managers. Yeah. They you know we were mass. They were everybody loved an underdog in a cup final. It was everybody did. So they always wanted when we played QPR in '82. Yeah. They all wanted, you know, if, if that, that was always the story of the FA Cup. If you'd root, if you're a neutral, you'd root for the underdog, and, and they were the underdog. So, yeah. um, I'm not sure you can I, say I, that. Yeah. I'm not sure you can say the housewife's choice anymore because you might be being sexist. What do you think, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Sillett <laughs> and Bobby Gould was the joint manager. Sillett and yeah. George Curtis, was it? Was it no, George Curtis and uh, what was his name? I'm thinking about uh, yeah, George yeah. Curtis. Yeah. Sillich. John Sillich. John, John Sillich. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the, they were the management team. Yeah. But Paul, you made, you made... Cyril Ridge is like a sort of towards the end of his career. Yeah, he was a beast. Yeah. Yeah. He was a strong yeah. one. But I mean, we, we scored early, as you said, Paul, you know, is a great header. And you talked about his movement earlier. Clive Allen's movement there was just wonderful. He knew when to yeah. run, got on the end of that. But then they sort of scored, like, they scored quite quickly afterwards, didn't they? And I think... That sort of set us back mentally. I think we were tired. I don't know about you guys. I felt we were tired in that whole final. Yeah. Yeah. I think, think, well, as I said, I think it goes back to, it was the final leg. And, you know, if if they got control of that game, if if they scored a second, you know, if they'd gone on and and they'd made it 2-0. Yeah. I think, you know, but I think the equaliser took it out of their legs. And as the game went on, that run of games towards the end, even though he rested a few players, it told, you know, he just really told on them. But do you not think that we went 2-1 up then, didn't we? Mabbott scored just for half-time. And again, I felt yeah. at the time, I felt momentum swinging with us. But mm. did you think they were just a bit jaded and thought they'd just like, stroll through the second half, did, yeah, did Peter? They, yeah. Did they have a winger, Bennett or something? They did, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, David right, Bennett, yeah. He, he kind of gave us a bit of a torrid time. He did, yeah. But, but also, I don't know, I don't know if you remember, um, Paul, who do you, I mean, Hoddle didn't really turn up that day. Was that your memory of that? Yeah, it didn't have. It was a. It was a, Yeah, he didn't have a great game, did he? Yeah, it was. It was unlikely. It was, it was his final match, 
and for whatever reason, he just he just couldn't get couldn't get up for it, couldn't get going for some reason. He didn't run the game the way he could have done. I think the nature of their equaliser as well, the the diving header. It was it was. Yeah. I think they got such a, a lift from the, not just scoring it, but the nature of it. Yeah. And I think then it, you know it became a lot tougher for Spurs as it you know as it went into extra time. Yeah, because also Hoddle was man, not man marked, but Lloyd McGrath, like one of the Coventry centre centre midfield players, pretty much stood really close to did, Hoddle. Did so he a just job, did a job on him. Did a job on him, Peter. Right, he just yeah. couldn't get going, could he, Peter? Yeah, no, no. I think it's just somebody's obviously done their homework and said like, you yeah, know, don't let him get the ball out of his feet, and yeah. that's basically what happened. Yeah, and then obviously we know what happens. You know, Goff didn't really play that well as well, and I and I, and I felt we were bullied in one of, in the four three we lost, and I think we were bullied by them again. Paul, do you think Houchin and Regis they were strong? Yeah, yeah. Again, two big, strong, sort of physical centre forwards, and yeah. That, yeah, just one of those days when maybe our boys much preferred the ball at their feet, be playing a bit of football. And yeah. Not that they weren't up for the fight because Gary Mabbott for years and years was a great centre half, but. Yeah. They preferred a football match to a boxing match, definitely both of them. And the other, the other thing about that game, of course, is the, is the uh, the fact that some of the kits had Holston on and some of them didn't. Which is uh, they they the BBC showed that game again a few weeks ago, yeah. and uh, and highlighted that. It's um, yeah, strange. You know, I think you know the story of what happened there. I don't know if you if you tell it for the listeners, uh, Paul. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. The um, basically the FA had never had a beer sponsor. On, on a shirt in a cup final. And they weren't massively keen on the idea of there being a, a beer sponsor on the shirt. So uh, the legend goes that the kit man took two kits along, one with a Holston on and one without. And at the end, the FA relented and said Spurs could play in the in the Holston kit. But um, basically the numbered shirts came out the skip and they'd all got mixed up. So as the, no. basically the shirts went up and were hung up for the players with the numbers on, yeah. some had Holston on and some didn't. And no one noticed. No. I wonder, it's strange the players didn't notice, though. You might, I know. I it's very strange. Yeah, it's just no one noticed till they'd got out there. I mean, I think these days, because of the nature of how much sponsors pay, yeah. somebody would have come down from the marketing department and kicked someone's ass, and they probably would have change shirts in the second half it, it might have been different but um yeah but yeah it was uh, it was very very weird did uh, the kit man get it? some some did it was like some of them they'd done it as a protest but it wasn't that it was just a, a balls up <laughs> i wonder yeah, if the kit uh, man got fired yeah i got i, got, I can picture those shirts now with, yeah. the, with the collar yeah they had the collar it's the first time they wore it because they wore that lovely hummel kit didn't they all season yeah 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 which is one of my favorite kits actually i think we've all agreed it's one of our yeah, favorite yeah, kits really during the season us. Um, so oh, we, Paul, we we all sum like to sum up the season, going around the table in a cut in a few words of how we sort of felt the season was. So Peter, how are you? You're very dex, dex, uh, dexterous on your words and <laughs> summing up. In, yeah. Come on, yeah, two so, words. So yeah, like you know, you think well, we we were in all these competitions, we didn't win any. So I'd say um, almost complete. Like it. See what I did there. Always complete. I like it. Or incomplete. 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 <laughs> Sim, how will you sum up the season? Bridesmaids. Yeah, a great one. Great one. Paul, would you like to try and have a crack at summing it up in a few words? Uh, it was a classic Spurs season. It's what, yeah. if you are a Tottenham fan, it's the sort of story you're used to. It's heroic failure, isn't it? It's yeah. just, I hate to say it, but, yeah, you know, one. we see it now. We just keep coming up short. Um, yeah. We just, we're fighting on too many fronts and we just can't get a run of results together. We don't have that consistency and 
that was a wonderful team that, that definitely should have won something. Yeah, it's a real uh, shame. And then, of course, the following, the sad thing is, Hoddle went, Pleat went shortly after, and, and the whole thing sort of fell apart. And Richard Goff went, so we never really saw yeah. what that team could have been had they built on what they had. But it was classic Spurs, really. I mean, I, I love them a bit, but... Yeah. You know, they're, they're always likely to do something like this, entertain you, play some wonderful football, yeah. but then it then come away empty-handed. Um, just just quickly, as it's our last last show before we go back into our monthly uh, podcast, um, are we gonna how many how many of our last nine games? And we go around the table. How many of our last nine games are we gonna win, Sim? Oh, in this I current mean, season, I mean, it's so much so much rest on that United game because I think yeah. I think we're looking at a really. A really good end to the season if we win that game. Yep. Marino's obviously had his pre-season yep. or some somewhat of a pre-season in the, if you're looking at the time. So I'm on team. If we beat United, let's say we beat United, I'd say six wins maybe. I think they've probably got five wins in them, a couple of draws, and possibly a couple of defeats. I'm a little bit nervous about Manchester United to kick off with. Mm. Uh, I, I, my worry is that it's not strong enough at the back. I think we've got a lot going forward, and we just got to hope some of those midfield players. Come back in good shape. I mean, Sissoko's fully fit. Maybe we can get a tune out of Ndombele. Yeah. And if that, but I just think in Aurea, I'm afraid Davis and Sanchez. I think that that right side of uh, the defence is incredibly suspect, and I think good sides will score goals against us. So I think probably top four is gone. I think we we need a bit of a shake up in defence. I think Jose will be wanting to strengthen that area yeah, next season definitely. I agree. I agree with you guys. I think it's about five five wins for us, and uh, you know, uh, a pretty damp squib of a season. But I think we'll go positively into next season. I think, and as you say, Paul, I think we we'll strength for the defence. But anyway, let's let's wrap up this, Paul. It's been brilliant. Thanks so much to have someone of uh, your standing on this podcast and knowledge, and uh, give you your great knowledge of that season because it's a wonderful season, guys. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for, for being a part of it, Paul, today. I just want to say as well... No, it's a pleasure, guys. Just, yeah, it's quite nice to reminisce a few old things coming back. I've completely forgotten about all those years ago, so it was fun. Yeah, and I just wanted to say, like, congratulations to, obviously, your your seasoned professionals, but to everyone, yourself, everyone at TalkSport, just the standard of, of the station during a time of no, yeah, no live sport. It's, been a, it's just been, yeah. like, the standard has just not dropped at all, so... yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been quite testing at times, yeah. but uh, we've got no excuses now. We've got wall-to-wall football for about the next two months. So. Yeah, yeah. And and Paul, I think I think you should go and uh, buy your wife like a nice bunch of flowers because uh, you must be still over for telling you to fast forward to the eighty-eighth minute, eighty-third <laughs> yeah. minute. I, I probably did at the time. I'd like to think they're probably a bit cheaper then. You well. are you are romantic, you. <laughs> anyway guys thank you so much it's been a brilliant project um, we'll get back to our monthly uh, broadcast soon uh, YE1 listeners thanks again Sim thanks again Peter Cheers, I'm not sure guys. what I'm going to do without you guys in lockdown <laughs> anyway guys we'll thanks away. again thank you Paul and goodbye no keep Cheers, listening guys. guys thank you Cheers, guys. Cheers.